Alright, what is up? Welcome back. Here we go to another episode of Interesting Facts with Chase. Uh, I am your host, Chase. Uh, Jay Nelly, once again, uh, you know, he is not on this show uh, frequently, but um, we did get to see him a good bit on Sunday, but here we are back with another special edition, special features episode um, the bonus episode for you guys midweek on a Wednesday. So, uh, Wild Wednesdays coming at you. Uh, what a cool week, man. Uh, you know, we really got to dive into Order of the Phoenix and Dumbledore's army that was being built by Harry, Ron, Hermione. Now they're recruiting with a lot of diversity in the school. So, uh, you know, we're really um, in depth here with the dive going into... Uh, really the biggest book of Harry Potter and uh, it just gets better and better I mean this is why I love this book so much like now you even got the whole relationship aspect growing with Harry and Cho and you know the whole time he's kind of going back and forth uh, with his fellow classmates as well that you know you you're seeing again once again the diversity that brings into the aspect of being the famous chosen one right and everything that goes into it and whether they believe him or not um but you know we got some really cool interesting facts uh to get into today so uh so let's just go ahead and start off right so first thing we kind of start uh with snape's potion class for a little bit and one thing he's having them write a paper on is moonstones um, which, you know, the whole crew is really gearing up for their owls exam now, um, which, you know, there's owls and then you have the opportunity to take the newts if you want to. Well, Snape really dives in for them as far as the moonstones and makes them assign a homework assignment on it, right? So moonstone, so what you guys don't know, that's also called a wishing stone. The moonstone is a milky color, shines very brightly. It's used in other interesting facts that we mentioned before, uh, the drought of peace, uh, which Snape has assigned to Hermione, Ron, and Harry before as a homework assignment, which remember he was talking about uh, as a sleeping potion. The moonstones are also used in love potions, also potion number 86. They actually are known to uh, shine so bright that they can almost produce their own light which is really cool these potions uh use moonstone uh with moonstone being grinded up and put into powder is the way that works as far as like other subjects they're being taught in class remember mcgonagall really goes in with them as far as vanishing spells that they're having to learn and uh the incantation of the vanishing spell we mentioned on the episode is also evanesco so uh, as far as that goes, remember uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they were supposed to really vanish that animal. And then Hermione was so good at it uh, that she was able to vanish it almost entirely, really, by the third try. Um, and they're used to vanish uh, animate and inanimate objects. Um, objects can actually be enchanted to resist vanishing spells. A conjuring spell... Uh, remember, McGonagall was talking about um, it's a vanishing spell is almost as difficult as a conjuring spell, but conjuring spells are only on newts exams. So there's owls exams and newts exams. Owls exams happen in their fifth year, right? Um, conjuring spell. So a conjuring spell, common example 
of a conjuring spell is Arichidus, uh, which produces a pink light ray and conjures flowers from the end of the wand. Uh, so actually I have my wand right here, right? So if you wanted to know how this is actually done, you would actually produce a 180 circle from the top and then you go straight down. So I'll really like uh, the mirror effect of a question mark without the dot. Uh, you're really just gonna go one half 80 circle and down and it's Arichidus. And uh, that's a conjuring spell and that would actually produce flowers from the end of your wand. So that's actually pretty cool, right? Um, we talked a little bit about bow truckles. Uh, Josh really went into that. Um, well, so a lot of people don't know, they're actually native to Western England and Southern Germany and Scandinavia. Um, they are mortal. Uh, they're about eight inches tall at its tallest height. Um, we mentioned a little bit, they are insect eating. Uh, Josh mentioned how they're tree dwelling magical beast. Uh, they do actually have two long sharp fingers as well on each hand. Uh, we mentioned the brown eyes with the general appearance and the flat face stick uh, appearance. Um, but it also is like used, it usually uses its brown uh, stick-like features to blend in with the natural habitat as camouflage. As part of the wild, right? Um, it's actually known as a tree guardian um, as well. And it actually has its own classification for that. And we mentioned last episode, um, that a tree, uh, a way you know that a tree is wand ready is if it's, um, it's guarded by those uh, tree guardians, right? Um, but it's known as being peaceful. Uh, also, it is known that if it is threatened by predators, it will actually gouge predators' eyes out. So that's pretty wild, right? Um, but it actually is adept to dodge most charms if you want to use on it on bow truckles. So don't try to go trap one and catch one with a charm because it will uh, it will just deflect that spell. Uh, so the Great Lake, if you don't remember, that's where the Durmstrang, a lot of them came up from that boat when they were introduced in Goblet of Fire. So that's where the Great Lake is or where the second task originally was, right? Uh, but Newt Scamander was known for visiting the island frequently. Um, actually, back in his day, um, and he was known for keeping bow truckles in his suitcase. He actually wrote down in his journal, which became later Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them, the bow truckle, which eats insects, is a peaceable and intensely shy creature, but if the tree in which it lives is threatened, it has been known to leap down upon the woodcutter or tree surgeon, attempting to harm its home and gouge out their eyes with its long, sharp fingers. An offering of wood lice will placate the bow truckle long enough to let a witch or wizard remove wand wood from its tree, uh, which is the reason they would do that is because that tree that is guarding would be wand ready, right? Um, bow truckles have been taught in the Care for Magical Creatures class two times in Hogwarts history. Um, the first one was Professor Sylvanus Kettleborn, who was taught bow truckles in 1987 and 1988 school year. He described them as slipperier than frog spawn soup. Um, and we will actually talk about him a, a good bit because he's got a really interesting background there, right? Um, what on Kettleborn's personal bow truckles was actually named after Jacob Sibling, which if you all recall, uh, when we were talking about the cursed vaults, and the Circle of Kana in the first 
interesting facts episode. That was our bonus interesting facts episode for Harry Potter. He was the one that founded that circle. And also the other one that um, Professor Sylvanus Kettleborn had was named after Newt's commander, who was known for stuttering bull truckles on that island like we were talking about. Um, Sylvanus Kettleborn. So he was born in 1927. He was uh, the Hogwarts care for magical creatures professor. And due to his recklessness, he lost all his limbs except for one arm, one leg due to an encounter with dragons. But he still continued to take his class on field trips to dragon sanctuaries until he retired in 1993, which we talked a little bit um, in Goblet of Fire, Interesting Facts and uh one's a little bit earlier than that about different types of dragon sanctuaries how they would actually go out to these different places where these locals would worship dragons and they learned to train dragons out there he was in the hufflepuff house and uh, the incident that made him most reckless as far as being classified that as a hogwarts professor was the fountain of fair fortune incident that occurred uh, the Fountain of Fair Fortune incident, long story short, Hogwarts actually used to have plays go on there. A lot of people don't know that. They don't do that anymore because of what happened in this incident. Uh, but the Fountain of Fair Fortune uh, was reenacting a play, which we were, we're not going to go into all the details on it because it deals a lot with Deathly Hallows. And we will have an interesting facts episode uh, when we're covering Deathly Hallows later this year. He was the Care for Magical Creatures professor when this happened under Armando Dippet, which we've talked about before. He was the headmaster that was before Albus Dumbledore. Uh, he amassed 62 probations as the Care for Magical Creatures professor. Most major probation was the Fountain of Fair Fortune incident. Um, and so what happened here was the Fountain of Fair Fortune summary for you, kind of what happens here. I'm not going to tell you all the details because we'll talk about it in Deathly Hallows, but basically the idea is it was an enchanted garden uh, that was located in this area by strong magic, and uh, basically it involved these three that were searching for the Fountain of Fair Fortune. So once a year, an unfortunate was allowed the opportunity to bathe in water and win fair fortunes forevermore. It is here three witches traveled to cure their unfortune so that they would be fortuned in this fountain by bathing. Asha the sick was known as not being able to be healed, uh, and she was really sick. Athilda was robbed and humiliated by a sorcerer, and then Amada, who was deserted by her lover and was hoped to be cured of grief. What happened was, uh, there is a specific part in the play, right? that involved, it involved this creature, because as they're going on this journey, these three, um, it involved, they have to face, the, first they encounter the creepers, which the creepers, what they are, is they're these magical vines, almost like de devil snare, but um, actually move a lot more fluent and can come up from the ground. It's not just stuck in really one area, right? Um, but they grabbed the three witches and pulled them through a wall. As they're pulling them through the wall, this crack appears, and then they're pulled down. Um, Amada invites a competitor with no magical powers, who is called Sir Luckless, on the journey with them. 
then they encounter the three challenges. So the three challenges are a monstrous white worm, a bleatened and blind and demands proof of your pain. Then they wind up facing a steep shape of demands, which that's a fruit of your labors is what that's described as. Three, then they wind up facing a stream and are asked to give a treasure to pass. So that's what that play involves. Just so you can kind of give a, a little quick summary on, on how this played out, that in order to for the person to play the blind worm, he would actually get what's called an ashwinder. So a lot of people don't know what an ashwinder is, right? Uh, but it says the Hogwarts school play was ruined due to several factors. The stage and some of the hall was engulfed in flames from an ashwinder's egg and a duel that broke out between the two at last, right? So an ashwinder's egg, and I'll tell you what an ashwinder is. Um, so eggs of an ashwinder are eggs from a magical serpent born from embers of an unattended magical fire. They are extremely hot and flammable. They are bright red and valuable when frozen. If not frozen in time, they will light a fire in the surrounding area, right? Um, so, ironically, they're the common ingredients in love potions and also can be swallowed whole as an antidote uh, for ague, which ague is an illness in the magical world uh, similar to malaria. So, uh, how we mentioned, but the ashwinder is a magical serpent, like I said, created from the remains of a magical fire. Burn unchecked. Uh, the ashwinder as a serpent is also susceptible to apostle tongue magic. It's thin, pale, and gray. Uh, has glowing red eyes, so uh, funny, kind of like Voldemort, how he's snake-like, right? Um, they rise from the embers of dying fire and immediately slither off to lay their eggs right away, once born. They leave an ashy trail behind. Ashwinders only live for an hour and then collapse into dust. So if you thought Fox's life was short, think again, because this one is. So... How did everything burn down, pretty much? So here's how everything... Kettleborn, just a little bit more about him, and we're going to dive into that. Uh, so he owned 12 Nifflers. He owned a small house in Hogsmeade. He would walk to Hogwarts every day. Uh, his wand was 14 and a half inches long with chestnut wood phoenix feather care, which is described as whippy. Uh, he visited the hospital wing over 20 times, and Madame Pomfrey eventually reserved him a bed where every time uh, he would teach from the bed because he was always so injured. In um, 1980, just leading up to this major moment, he got in trouble for having Rubius Hagrid help him uncage magical creatures and they actually got loose in the Hogwarts castle. In 1987 to 1988, he taught Jacob's sibling, uh, who started the Circle of Kana that I was talking about, uh, classes on bow truckles, nifflers, and then in during 1992 to 1993, Fred and George Weasley stole a salamander uh, and and fed it fireworks in his class. That got him in trouble because the salamander exploded and causes caused damage. Uh, and Albus actually even said back when Hagrid actually got the care for magical creatures job. A lot of people forget about this. It says as to our second appointment, well. I'm sorry to tell you that Professor Kettleborn, our Care for Magical Creatures teacher, retired at the end of last year in order to enjoy more time with his remaining limbs. 
However, I am delighted to say that his place will be filled by none other than Rubius Hagrid, who has agreed to take on the teaching job in addition to his gamekeeping duties. So a lot of people forget about that, um, but that's back when Hagrid first became the teacher of Care for Magical Creatures. Kettleborn actually did help Hagrid after that with his gamekeeping duties until his retirement just because he couldn't get enough of the school. Kettleborn actually said, my loss of limbs is a testament to my work with creatures. Uh, he was known for magical skills. He was extremely skilled in charms. He was known for the engorgement charm. Uh, he's extremely skillful and knowledgeable in magi zoology. He's proficient in handling chimeras. <laughs> Talk about getting burned a lot. Uh, however, like I said, he lost most of his limbs. He is actually even more proficient in sleeping charms, which relates back to our moonstone we were talking about that was used in like the drought, sleeping drought potion. Um, he actually used a sleeping charm on a Ukrainian iron belly, which we talked about in Goblet of Fire, which is a probably, I know you thought the Hothgarian horntail was bad, but a Ukrainian iron belly is actually so rare um, and massive. Uh, they're probably one of the most vicious dragons around in this realm. Kettleborn had an Ashwinder play the role of a blind worm. Well, what happened was he went on stage and casted the engorgement charm. And what happened was he was behind stage when he did this, and then the Ashwinder exploded everywhere. Um, and it set fire to the Hogwarts castle. The Great Hall was burned significantly. Um, and then he was actually put on probation. And so uh, Hogwarts never really had any plays ever again. So you don't hear about those in the book. The creature was enlarged using the engorgement charm and exploded in a shower of hot sparks and dust. The Great Hall caught fire due to tremendous heat. Packed hospital wing. So the hospital wing was so packed they couldn't put any more people in it. Professor Sylvanus Kettleborn um, supplied the ash winder for the production and in result was put on probation. Uh, so the next thing I kind of have here for you, the blubbering humdinger. Remember, this is where Luna was talking about all these creatures and she was like, or what about the blubbering humdinger or the crumple horn snorkak? Uh, like all this is real that was talked about in the quibbler. So I got facts on those for you, right? So neither one was, has ever been discovered before. Um, it was mentioned by Luna uh, and her father, Xenophilius Lovegood, um, but neither one ever actually discovered it, right? Uh, so the crumple snorkak was believed to be found in Sweden. It was believed to be able to repair its horn if destroyed. Xenophilius purchased the horn of what he believed to be a snorkak. But when it was destroyed, it was it never repaired itself. And that's supposed to be the big feature of it. Um, it was later discovered that the horn was an rumpet horn. Um, and nothing was ever found of the blumbering humdinger. In a rumpet, what that actually is, is a massive elephant-like creature. The horns actually are made of exploding material. Uh, highly sought after for their horns because it's prized in potion making material. Here's a quote, it says, but people used to believe there was no such thing as a blumbering humdinger or crumple horn snorkak, and that's on page 262. So Josh talked about this guy a good bit, right? Um, Paracelsus. So I, I think he pretty much hit 
he hit most of the stuff on the head on this one, so I won't touch on this too much. Just know he was a famous wizard from 1493 to 1541. Um, he was a known alchemist and made significant contributions to medicine. Um, also was a known physician and discovered fossil tongue. So Josh didn't mention that. That's super important. Um, he is, like Josh said, featured on the chocolate frog cards. Um, Self-fertilizing shrubs. Uh, so what that is, uh, they talked about those a little bit in Madame, um, not Madame Pomfrey's, in Professor Sprout's class, right? Uh, it's a magical plant that fed on flesh and had the ability to produce its own fertilizer. It's not advised to put more than three of these plants near each other because they are likely to actually kill each other. So they will eat and rip apart the other plants. So just definitely don't put that near anything. Uh, they actually require an immense amount of watering and frequently would die because they're consumed flesh regularly. I wouldn't want that thing near me because you might not wake up in the morning with any skin. Inanimous conjurus that's used to conjure inanimate objects used by uh, McGonagall and Transfiguration class. Uh, Murtap uh, Tintal, that's a rare potion ingredient that can be obtained from the growth on the back of a Murtlap. Uh, when a Mertlap tentacle is eaten uh, and heightens resistance to various dark charms, but overdoses, it can turn your ears purple. And that's used in the Mertlap essence. So if you forget, the Mertlap essence was what Harry actually put his hand in. Um, and this is when, remember, he went over to Dolores Umbridge's detention and had to write, I will not tell lies on the back of his hand over and over and over. Uh, Mertlap Tintile is used in the Mertlap Essence. Uh, essence. Mertlap Essence is used in the Mertlap Tintile. Uh, uh, and it's the strained and pickled tentacles of Mertlaps. And it soothes um, painful cuts and abrasions is what it does, is the Mertlap Essence. And the Mertlap Tintile is used in that potion there. Um, a Mertlap is a rat, tentacles on its back, what are almost like tentacles, right? Um, and it's from Great Britain. Neasles, actually cats. A lot of people don't really know what neasles are. Shanks, for example, would be a neasel. Um, it's a cat with uncanny ability to detect untrustworthiness and is highly intelligent. They can actually be very aggressive to people that they have suspicion over. Uh, there are pure neasels and half neasels. Uh, Crookshanks was actually a half kneesel. Um, they usually live about 26 years, uh, capable of guarding homes, and their first known written account of kneesels was actually in 1832, and that's when Abel Treetops, who is a, a wizard um, in actually Cincinnati, Ohio, charmed a method of taming wampus cats for guarding wizard houses. Now, what happens was Treetops was exposed as a fraud by Makusa, who raided his home and found him putting engorgement charms on measles. Uh, so Makusa, that is, and we're about to go into this, and this brings up two, we're going to talk about two really big topics today, which are really cool, and you're going to find out a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, but Makusa, that is actually the magical Congress of the United States of America. The current president was Samuel G. Kuhog. The headquarters has been a number of different places. First started out, the headquarters was formerly in the Appalachian Mountains. Then it was moved to Williamsburg, Virginia, then Baltimore, Maryland, 
uh, and then Washington. And then now it's actually in the Woolmerth building, actually, in New York, New York. The Makusa governs the magical community of the United States of America. International Confed of Wizards, so International Confederation of Wizards. It includes the Alivermony School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, which we're going to talk about. We've talked about that before on Interesting Facts earlier back on Sorcerer's Stone when we talked about different wands. Um, well, we're really going to hear the cool interesting facts on that today. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, so Makusa, a lot of people don't know, uh, was modeled after the Wizard Council of Great Britain, which predated the Ministry of Magic. Representatives from the magical communities all over North America were elected to Makusa to create laws that both policed and protected American wizard kind. The Makusa is the unicameral, unlike the United States Congress, that was divided between the Senate and the House of Representatives. The Makusa actually acts as the United States Ministry of Magic and counsels the magic in the United States of America. Um, and its primary aim was to rid the country of sorcerers, corrupt wizards who hunted their fellow magical beings for personal gain. The biggest law enforcement challenge that they had in the Makusa uh, was tracking tr criminals that actually fled from Europe, such as London, because of their lackluster law enforcement. It was formed during the Salem Witch Trials and by Josiah Jackson. Nomage is what the Makusa refers to being the government of the United States, which is broken up by the House of Representatives and the Senate, which is the current government. Uh, Makusa predates Nomage, so they were actually here before the United States of America was founded by their government. Um, they have never actually had positive relations with each other because the United States government had a history of hostility towards the magical community. Uh, Makusa now resides in New York, New York, after moving locations five times. Originally in Williamsburg, Virginia, after the Great Sasquatch Rebellion it had in 1892, which is pretty cool. What the Sasquatch Rebellion was, uh, the Sasquatches revolted and rebelled on Makusa, and this led to mass obliviation. So remember, obliviations they were talking about by the ministry, which is where we've talked about it in the show multiple times, where they'll actually obliviate their memory, where they won't remember anything. So house elves have been working in Makusa since the 1920s. So we do have house elves in the United States of America. Uh, Makusa ultimately gets its bad reputation. Here we go. Because upon the first establishment, criminals were hung and executed, which hence actually was what they refer to now as the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, whereas the British Ministry of Magic sent them to Azkaban, Makusa would hung and execute them and also attach barrels to them and throw them in rivers, which now is what is referred to as the Salem Witch Trials. The only thing the British ministry is criticized for is actually the worst execution of all, is what they are considered as. Uh, even much worse than Mikusa's execution tactics that they used to have, and that is a Dementor's Kiss. So that has been there for a very long time um, and known as the worst punishment. So here's what really broke up 
the this is what caused the hostility between Makusa and its own people in the United States, um, which is also why they also have some animosity with the British Ministry of Magic, so they don't talk about them a lot. So, Makusa and the United States of America Revolution. Makusa was asked to help the USA in the United States Revolutionary War. The meeting was in 1777, so after uh, after animosity already had started with Britain and the war kind of got going for the United States already. Was, um, it's called the country or kind debate. Uh, Elizabeth McGillity, the president of Makusa at the time, and American witch had ties to American citizens and asked Makusa to help them fight for liberation against the British muggles. Makusa had a meeting in London with the British Ministry of Magic, and ultimately it was decided that Makusa, um, they did not agree with Makusa because the British Ministry of Magic ultimately decided they would sit this one out. Because of its positive ties to the British Ministry of Magic, Makusa refused to get involved with Nomaj, who is who they refer to as the United States government that was later established. So Makusa refused to get involved with the colonists uh, that were establishing their own country and breaking up from Britain at the time against King Henry VIII and all of that. So it caused a, a rift that has been a traditional rift ever since, and they still do not get along. Um, it is reported that laws were enforced after this of segregation between Nomaj and Makusa. So literally laws were put in place where ministry members of the American um, Congress of, of Ministry of Magic of the United States would not talk to Nomaj, like literally would not get along. Um, it was actually against the law at some points. If Makusa was caught associating with Nomaj, harsh punishments were enforced, and this was actually put in place by Elizabeth uh, McKilligitty herself, uh, who was actually trying to stick up for Nomaj at the time, even though she was an American witch. One big illegality that was put in after this was the USA required wand permits to be put in in the 19th century in order to distinguish uh, who was a wizard and a witch to make it easier to identify magical abilities and identify um, the segregation, right? Kusa, actually due to prohibition during the 1920s, uh, actually sided with Nomaj and did not allow wizards to drink alcohol in 1920s. So that's pretty interesting. Like the one thing they pretty much agreed with them on uh, with the laws that were put in place wasn't exactly a fun one, right? Uh, Makusa, it is said, also has had its issues with terrorism. In 1920s, the Makusa president was Serafina Piquiri, who we've talked about before on the earlier interesting facts on Sorcerer's Stone when we were talking about one making and all that. If you guys didn't know, like we mentioned before, especially our new listeners, um, Josh and I, we live in Florida right now. I'm from Georgia originally. It's about three hours from here. It's actually my favorite city is Savannah, Georgia. But the Makusa president at the time in 1920 was Serafina Paquiri, and she was from Savannah, Georgia. 
1926, Gellert Grindelwald actually infiltrated Makusa by assuming identity of the director of magical security and head of the department. Um, so Gellert Grindelwald, where you know we'll talk about much later on, had a big conflict with Albus Dumbledore. But in 1926, Newt's commander was detained by Makusa in an Aurora Tina Goldstein uh, for a series of breaches of international statutes of secrecy. Nomage, uh, the Nomage senator was killed shortly after, held on emergency meeting where Tina Goldstein, Newt's commander, Jacob Kowalowski uh, were falsely accused for the senator's death. Scamander Goldstein Kowalowski escaped Makusa, uh, and Grindelwald was ultimately the cause after that of an obscurial uh, and causing mayhem in New York, what causes a mess. So if you remember um, the first Fantastic Beast movie, this is uh, based on that. Uh, so the obscurial is a young witcher wizard who developed a dark, uh, parasitical magical force. As a result, their magical magic is usually suppressed from physical or psychological abuse. On May 1927, uh, this caused Makusa to have mass obliteration. So in New York, uh, just like Men in Black, <laughs> you know, they obliterated their memory just like Hermione Granger does in the film Deathly Hallows Part 1. So if you've already seen that, which we won't go too much into that, right? Um, but their memory wipes is what they are. And this was massive memory wipes that were occurring in New York, New York, which caused even further hostility because of this between Nomaj and Makusa. Makusa did attempt to escort Grindelwald to the British Ministry of Magic, but the attempt after failed and Grindelwald was arrested and the escort was intercepted, um, allowing Grindelwald to escape. So that goes into more of like crimes of Grindelwald, which of course they really haven't finished that trilogy yet. But then in 2014, Samuel G. Uh, Qhog became the president of Makusa. And in 2014, the United States went to the Quidditch World Cup against uh, Lachenstein. Um, and Lachenstein is a land-like, uh, landlocked alpine ca uh, country in Central Europe bordered by Switzerland. Um, Pierre Bonalord, uh, who is supreme mugwumpist, uh, uh, mugwump, uh, most known wanted uh, for the troll ban hunting that supported troll rights. Uh, he was actually the supreme mugwump. And that was over in, of course, the United States area, right? Auroras were trained in the United States uh, when it was being founded. But out of the original 12, two have seen old age. Um, two that saw old age started the Auroras division when Makusa was founded. And these were... Uh, Charity Wilkinson, who became Makusa's third president. Theodard Fontaine, who is a direct descendant of A. Gilbert Headmaster of the Olivermoney School of Witchcraft in 2016. The U.S. Aurora Police have worked with famous agents as well. Um, and these agents were Gondolfus Graves, who is an ancestor of Percival Graves, whose families were strongly influential in the American wizard politics, and Abraham Potter, who is a genealogist who is an ancestor of the famous, 
Harry Potter. Um, and he actually died before reaching old age, but was one of the original 12 Aurors that was in the United States when it was founded. Um, fire whiskey, right? So this talks about, remember George uh, and Fred were saying they could use some fire whiskey. Um, well, fire whiskey is an alcoholic drink consumed by witches or wizards. Um, under the age of 17, we're not allowed to buy it. Popular brands included Ogden's Old Fire Whiskey and Bilshin's Fire Whiskey, known for causing a burning sensation when drunk and for filing, filling one's body with courage. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone could use a little bit of courage, right? Um, Heliopath, remember, um, they talked about those just a little bit with Luna. Um, but it's a spirit of fire which is claimed to gallop or burn anything in its path. Um, and remember, Luna was talking about how she claimed Fudge had these, right? There's a number of different types of quills. Actually, there's almost 17 different types of quills. Um, so peacock quills, um, they're actually made from the tail of a peacock. Gilderoy Lockhart had one. Uh, phoenix feather quills made from the tail of a phoenix. So Fox is known for providing quills for that. Uh, Whopper quills, so those are just fancy looking quills, um, but they actually lack magical properties. Pheasant quills, so those involve the tail of a pheasant. An eagle quill involve the tail of an eagle uh, on that. Uh, Anti-cheating quill, we've talked about these before because these are, um, are not allowed um, so these are basically not allowed or forced to be had on the newts and owls, so no one can cheat on their test. So you have an anti-cheating quill, which prevents anyone from cheating on tests. Auto-answer quill, that is not allowed on the owls or the newts, which gives you answers. The black quill, so this is what Dolores Umbridge used on Harry that uh, writes it in blood. Um, then you have the magical quill, just a basic magical quill. It detects the birth of a wizard or witch and writes his or her name on parchment in a book at Hogwarts. So this is really cool. The deputy head checks the book every year and then sends owls to these children as they approach their 11th birthday to invite them to Hogwarts. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. That's how they get those letters. Um, quick quotes quill. So that's great for reporters. This is the one that was used by Rita Skeeter. Self ink quills. Those are ones that uh, just have basically an unlimited amount of ink and keep replenishing. Um, sugar quills. Uh, it's actually a confection that looks like a writing quill so that it can be nibbed on discreetly in classes. So it's really just like almost like a a big thing of sugar that you can eat during class and it's made to look like a quill. Uh, smart answer quills, those will give you the answers to the test. Those are uh, not allowed on the owls or the newts exam. Spell checking quills, um, so those will check your spelling, especially work well on essays. Uh, Self-spelling quills that will spell themselves, those are also not allowed on the owls or the newts. Uh, Servant Shaft's Quill Shop. So we mentioned this in the book. This is actually where Hermione went to go get her quill. So now we're going into Thestrals. So 
a little bit more about them than what you heard just Josh and I talking about. Um, Thestrals are winged horses related to the Abraxan, the Othanan, and the Granian. Uh, they're native to the British Isles in France, Iliberian Peninsula, and Ireland. They're only visible to those who have witnessed death and accepted reality, just like Do uh, Josh and I were talking about. It's a breed of a winged horse, a skeletal body. The face is reptilian features. It's wide, leathery, and its wings actually resemble a bat's. Um, it is considered dangerous by the British Ministry of Magic. Um, it is undesirably known as omens of misfortune and aggression because they are only visible to people that have witnessed death. It's classified as XXXX, and it's only should be handled by experienced wizards that should try to handle them. And we'll go over those classifications as well towards the end of this. Uh, breeding Thestrals is also illegal without ministry consent um, it is required by the ministry if in the presence of a muggle to cast a disillusionment charm and um, ensure muggles can't to ensure muggles can't see them uh, a thestral is also a possible form of a patronus so a lot of people don't know that uh, it's clever and it can actually understand rider communication. So just like a horse can, it can communicate with the shrill and shrieks uh, throughout dark environments and forests, and it uses them as its natural habitat. Actually, they're very loyal creatures and are able to discern uh, friends and enemies. So very smart as well. And a Braxen uh, that's in that same family is a winged horse, gigantic and extremely powerful. They have the appearance of a Palomino horse. And Abraxans have white hair and is often used in potion making. And Abraxan is a possible form as well of a Patronus charm, which is also very rare. Uh, Madame Olympi in, uh, actually had bred Abraxans to pull her carriage and uh, only let drink a single malt whiskey. In the 1980s, Rubius Hagrid and Jacob Sibling also helped train Abraxans together. So Jacob Sibling, remember, he helped found Circle of Kana, so he was definitely a big part of the Hogwarts history there. Ethonian uh, is a chestnut color, so that's another type of magical creature horse. Um, it's a winged horse. That's not as big as an Abraxan or a Thestral, and they're found in Great Britain and Ireland. So. That's pretty much all that's known of them. Granians, though, they are gray-winged horses, and they are very fast, the fastest of all winged horses. Granian horses are very rare, um, that have hair that is very rare ingredient in potion making, um, and a Granian is also a possible Patronus form. Uh, by the way, a Braxen like Pegasus, that's in Hercules, he would be considered an Abraxan. So just so y'all can kind of distinguish the difference. And then Granian is, is smaller uh, and very fast and gray. Whereas um, as far as the Athonian is a chestnut horse, like a, a red color. Um, and it's about the size, it's a little bit smaller than an Abraxan, bigger than a Granian, and definitely not near as fast as a Granian. Uh, Thestral Patronus, 
So they're very rare Patronuses. They're actually the second most rare Patronus. Uh, the Thestral Patronus can be seen by everyone because it's produced by the charm. However, those with a Thestral Patronus are usually gentle at heart and have a kind soul. And they're known as being most understanding to the people around them. And often they try to keep others on the same wavelength because people with this Patronus are known to have the most gentle souls out of people. So it's a very rare Patronus there. Uh, the house is actually most commonly found with students that can conjure. Um, this Patronus is Hufflepuff. So for all you Hufflepuff people out there, uh, this one's for you. That's good stuff. And a Braxton Patronus is also very rare. It's very strong to conjure. So you have to be a very uh, mentally strong person and a physically strong person to conjure this Patronus. Um, it is very picky with people as well. Um, and it usually goes to someone that's well respected by others. Not really known much about Abraxan Patronuses, except for those qualities and also that people are also feared. Um, a lot of people have a lot of respect and fear for people that can conjure these Patronuses, and they're usually very independent. Also, it is known uh, that people with Abraxan Patronuses um, are very known to be defenders of others. So that doesn't mean they're necessarily bad people. They're actually almost known as like kind of a big hero, I would say. And can it says can be great friends as well, um, but definitely the defender part is a big quality. A Granian is also a Patronus. So remember, those are those faster gray horses. Uh, it's another rare form as well. It says people with this Patronus usually move really fast through challenges, jobs, relationships, or school. Um, usually they are stubborn and refuse to let things go. Usually can accomplish goals that others will perceive as impossible. Also are extremely ambitious intelligent, and intelligent. Early grass is a herb that grows in salt marshes along seashore. It's also found in Northern Europe or Great Britain. The green and white flower color. Um, it's usually used in befuddlement droughts because the uh, plants can inflame the brain, causing confusion and uh, hallucinations. And the, the sickness was called scurvy, is what it was, which, um, you know, scurvy can get you really sick uh, and feverish, that sort of thing. Um, lovage is similar to celery, it's found in Europe and Asia. Um, it uh, helps facilitate digestion and is used in befuddlement potions. These are all uh, ingredients that Snape um, assigned on his homework to Harry, by the way, is what this is. Um, sneezewort is found in Europe and North America. White and green uh, are used in befuddlement droughts and strong, st strong um, invigoration droughts. So Barnabas uh, Barmy Tapestry that they see what's near the Room of the Requirement. Uh, I'll put this on the website as well, too, because this is really cool. Um, but what it is, so Barnabas Barmy um, was a wizard who made a foolish attempt to train trolls and teach them ballet. Um, it's actually a moving tapestry located on the seventh floor. It's opposite the entrance of the Room of Requirement when it chooses to appear. It depicts Barnabas being beaten by trolls, and it shows Barnabas training a group of green trolls 
as their as their um, dancing ballet. So they have the tutus on and everything. They're beating him with clubs. So now you know exactly what's on that tapestry by the rumor requirement. Are the members of Dumbledore's army for you. Uh, so that's going to be the founders, of course, are Harry Potter, Hermione Granger, and Ron Weasley. The members of the group are you have Neville Longbottom, Ginny Weasley, Luna Lugbud, Lovegood, Alicia Spinnett, Angelina Johnson, Dean Thomas, Colin Creevy, Fred Weasley, George Weasley, Katie Bell, Lavender Brown, Lee Jordan, Pavari, Pavardi Patil, Seamus Finnegan, Anthony Goldstein, Cho Chang, Marietta Edgecombe, Michael Corner, Padma Patil, Terry Boot, Ernie McMillan, Hannah Abbott, Justin Finch Fletchley, Susan Bones, and Zachariah Smith are all the members of Dumbledore's army. Uh, the goblins that Fudge supposedly assassinated, right? And as far as the slash kilter, uh, the Umgobbler slash kilter that she claimed existed. Um, the article is from the Quibbler in 1995. Harry Potter read it and judged it, judged its accuracy is what he did. Um, so it's a partial script that says, Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, denied that he had any plans to take the running of the Wizarding Bank. Gringotts when he was elected Minister for Magic five years ago. Fudge has always insisted that he wants nothing more than to cooperate peacefully with the guardians of our gold. But does he? Sources close to the Minister have recently disclosed that Fudge's dearest ambition is to seize control of the Goblin Gold supplies and that he will not hesitate to use force if need be. It wouldn't be the first time either, said a Ministry insider. Cornelius goblin crusher fudge that's what his friends call him or if you could hear him when he thinks no one's listening oh he's always thinking about the goblins he had done and he's had them drowned he's had them dropped off buildings he's had them poisoned he's had them cooked in pies and uh what that is is that's an article in the quibbler that came out about fudge and uh the front cover is green and red uh, with the big words quibbler on it and it looks like a political cartoon of fudge cornelius fudge choking a goblin and i'll try to put that cover on the on the website for you just so you can see a picture of it uh harry didn't believe it because uh, the accuracy is n not <laughs> there's no evidence to back this accuracy at all of course it was published by zillifus uh lovegood luna's father um, and it says Harry's response. Uh, Harry did not read any further. Fudge might have many faults, but Harry found it extremely hard to imagine him ordering goblins to be cooked in pies. And then, so the Umgobbler slash Kilder. So this is really cool. This is mentioned by Luna Lovegood, um, but it's not described as much in the book. So we'll kind of go into this here, right? So it's utterly... Uh, it's an utterly bizarre creature that lived long ago and was dreamed up by the Lovegoods in Great Britain. Um, it's not sure whether they're real or not. They've never seen any evidence on this. Um, and it's actually fond of hiding behind curtains and shrubs and obscure objects to leap through. They've had hands, they have hands edged with sides, so like the sides look like they're coming through their hands that they can use to stab people with. Um, one eye in the middle of their chest. 
and because of the one eye that have very poor depth perception because that's all they have so they're blind on their face uh, it makes them impractical hunters so they they're not very good at hunting the little hair that they do have they actually grow on their head all the way down to their abdomen and use it as a kilt and tie it around their waist it's often the kilt that they make from their own hair uh, is decorated um, with things that they find so the things that they decorate it with are items from things they kill so they're victims that they do attack and kill with their sides on their hands uh, the creatures are generally reported as being seen out of the quote-unquote corner of the eye or in the shadows of obscure objects like sheets and shrubs uh, while many have reported sightings mostly from avid readers of the quibbler <laughs> there is little or no physical evidence of them reports are actually highly contradictory coloration and variation of size shape and face are all highly contradictory as well some suggest uh, that these are all differences in individual breeds of um goblin um gobbler slash kilters uh, but no specimen has ever been collected from the species so these are all really just theories uh, from the love goods that of course exilifus um is the editor of the quibbler and of course luna is going to buy into it right um theories do suggest it is also a variety of an imp a pogratan or perhaps a hybrid that is related to boggarts or it is a european relation to the american hide behind so this is really cool um uh, it does look uh, like I said, it looks like a green blind pig uh, with a hairy kilt, multiple legs, one eye in the middle of its chest, and then it has its sides coming through its hands with the fingers sticking out, right? Uh, po Pogrubine is, uh, they're actually from Russia. They're one foot tall, mortal, have an oversized skull. Beast classification is XXX. Uh, they have hairy bodies. And a large gray head. Um, the pogrubine was attracted um, uh, to humans. It's attracted to humans and enjoys trailing them as well. So it really stalks humans. Um, when humans turn around, the pogrubine uh, crouches and hides. Because of its large head and short body, it naturally resembles a rock. If the beast manages to tail a human for hours and sense despair from the human, Futility will wash over the human, and the victim, uh, uh, when the victim sits or sinks to its knees to weep, the progrubine attacks and attempts to devour them. So that's wild. Uh, the progrubine can be fought off with dark charms, stunning spells, or kicking as well, because it's about about the size of like a, a tiny little little goblin thing. Uh, the American hide behinds. So these are only found in America. Pretty wild. Um, it's related to the uh, demiguise and ghoul. It's found in Massachusetts, United States. Mortal resembles a specter. Nocturnal can turn invisible, shapeshifts, and are carnivorous, meaning they feed on humans. 
uh, it's beast classification XXXX, so that's four X's. And we'll go over those classifications later. Uh, the hide behind is a nocturnal, is found in the forest. Uh, it's dwelling uh, specter, it dwells on hum humans, and it can shape shift, allowing it to hide behind almost any object. Um, it was accidentally created. Um, it's a hybrid species and has the power of invisibility. Those that have seen it described it as tall with silver hair um, and almost skinny, like a skinny bear. It can contract itself to hide behind any objects. Uh, hide behinds were illegally created by Phineas Fletcher, who attempted to import traffic demiguys into America with a goal of manufacturing invisibility cloaks. The demiguys escaped while on board the ship and bred with a stowaway ghoul, and the offspring created uh, offspring created an escape to Massachusetts. In the early 1620s, a hide behind of unusual size was chased away by Isolt Sire after it had managed to capture a young Puckwudgie. The same hide behind was later responsible for the wounding of Chadwick and Webster Boot, but was later defeated by Isolt Sire and William the Puckwudgie. So, here's the deal. So, Chadwick and Webster Boot are Azolt Sire's sons, is what they are, is who they are. Azolt Sire, as I've mentioned before in the interesting facts back in Sorcerer's Stone, she started the Alivermony school. So that's how this all ties in. So uh, Alivermony, who is also under Makusa, so is not under the British Ministry of Magic, but is also under Makusa, which is the American Ministry of Magic. So Makusa stands for the Magical Congress of the United States of America, like I was saying. So Azolt Sire uh, fell under Makusa because she fled to the United States uh, from, uh, from England at the time, which I'm about to tell you her story. But Azolt Sire started the Olivermoni School. So a hide behind of unusual side size was chased away by his old sire after it had managed to capture a young puckwudgie uh, and the same hide behind was later responsible for wounding chadwick and webster boot who is her sons but was later defeated by his old sire and william the puckwudgie um so the puckwudgie actually became really uh Azolt became really fond of. So uh, what a Puckwudgie is, it's a gray goblin, two to three feet mortal, large ears. It's known for hunting with poisonous arrows. Um, it's native to the United States of America only. It's distinctly related to the European goblin, and it's known to have helped humans to play tricks on them. Puckwudgies are famous for having one of the four Olivermoni houses and named after them. This is because of their friendship that has been between Azolt and her Puckwudgie named William. So, and we're going to go all into that. In 1620, Azolt actually saved a Puckwudgie that was about to be eaten 
by a hide behind. Uh, she nursed him back to health and then declared him bound, indebted to her for life, and he indebted himself to her and vowed to repay her for the health. Despite showing little gratitude to his old sire, uh, Isolt wound up loving his unique company and named the Puckwudgie William. But um, so, how the story gets started? Uh, one day, William finds out that Isolt became fond of a horned serpent at a creek, uh, and this is all in Massachusetts at the time. Um, and William heard this grisly sound and uh, found Isolt uh, okay. However, Isolt and William followed the sound and find, found a hide-behind uh, that had killed a witch and a wizard and wounded the two children. So that's how her, her sons were wounded, and then William helped fight them off, who was the Pugwudgie. Isolt and William worked together to defeat the hide-behind, and he eventually killed it, um, which is very difficult to do. I think they're the only two to ever actually kill a hide behind. Um, William, however, refused to help Chadwick and Webster uh, help heal them, which did bring forth some diversity a little bit with his old later on. But Puckwudgies um, believe they do not get involved in human conflicts and should not help humankind and it actually led to the parting of ways for a while between William and Isolt because he wouldn't help uh, heal their children. Um, William was only helping Isolt because of that unique bond that they had um, because he was indebted to her uh, for life and he felt like he, um, he owed her, almost like how house elves uh, feel that they're owed uh, that they owe a family when really they don't. Um, however, 10 years later, they wound up reuniting uh, when Insult and her family were about to be killed by Gormalath Gaunt, which we're going to talk about her. This is a really cool part. Um, so William uh, actually winds up killing Gormalath Gaunt with poisonous arrows that, remember, you know, they, that they hunt with that we were talking about. Uh, it, the poisonous arrows, just a little quick fact on them, they're actually tipped with puckwudgie venom, which what that is is it's an unknown ingredient that's not known by anybody, and it's also charmed with dark magic. Um, so very powerful stuff here. Um, William uh, eventually met James, uh, which remember we were talking about back in Sorcerer's Stone, interesting facts. Uh, James is the husband of Isolt that she met coming over on the Mayflower, which uh, James is uh, that muggle. Um, he has no magical abilities whatsoever, but he was actually the first muggle headmaster ever. And a lot of times, a livermoney school that's founded in Massachusetts, United States of America, is very criticized for that because it has purebloods as. Uh, non-purebloods as headmasters. Um, but William eventually met James after James and his old founded the school. Uh, James told stories of Williams for years, actually. Uh, this led to the Puckwudgie house that was founded at a Livermoney. 
Pukwudgies are paid to this day to provide security and maintenance at the Livermoney School of Witchcraft and Wizardry in Massachusetts, United States of America. Like William, they complain about working, of course, uh, and state their wish to leave every day, just a little, <laughs> almost the opposite of house elves, um, but they still appear every year for work. Uh, it is still thought, actually, that William still works at the school, so they're not sure, uh, or still, I don't know if he still works, but still lives at the school, so they're not really sure how long their lifespan is. Um, but the reason it's thought this, and he's still there as an old goblin, is because uh, there is a statue that is polished every year that's of his ult that's in front of the school of a livermoney. And then flowers are actually put at the statue um, that there's a specific kind of flower. Uh, so William actually referred to them as Mayflowers, but they're flowers that were found. Um, so because his ult came from off the Mayflower with James, uh, they were flowers that were from specifically Isolt's family, and they're put at the statue every single year. Uh, so it is thought that William is still alive, um, and he's been alive all this time because those flowers still appear at that statue, and it gets polished every year, and no one knows who did it. Um, Puckwudgies are fiercely independent. They're about two to three feet tall. They have a tradition to not reveal their true names to anybody. Um, they're very secretive and exceptionally dangerous creatures. Uh, they're not overly fond of humankind, uh, magic, or nomad. Uh, so neither one. They don't like um, magical humans from the United States, and they don't like non-magical humans from the United States at all. They actually consider themselves indebted to the one that saves them despite how much they despise them uh, it's unknown how long they can live uh, considering some consider William is still alive uh, and would be well over 200 years old uh, they don't like breaking tradition um, this is why William wouldn't save Wester Webster or Chadwick um, and of course they were both wounded they weren't we'll talk about them in just a minute but um, so the horned serpent, kind of circling back to this, right? It's a, it's like a big um, black and blue snake kind of serpent with a big horn. It's fierce and it has intelligent eyes that emit low musical notes. They inhabit bodies of water and have jeweled foreheads. Its beast classification is is five X. So we'll talk about that. Uh, like I said, towards the end of this episode. They're found in North America only. Uh, shavings of its horn can be found in wands. Uh, two we'll talk about later today. Its jewel was said to have giant... To uh, Its jewel was said to grant powers of flight and invisibility. They were eventually hunted uh, for extinguish... Uh, to extinguish potion ingredients by wizards. Um... And I'm going to tell you what happened with this horned serpent, right? So the horned serpent that Isolde was friends with actually allowed her to take its horn after they became developed such a close bond, which is why William wasn't a fan of this at all, um, and allowed it to take its horn, and it actually used it as, its, as the core 
the first one, uh, she presented Chadwick with a wand she made on his 11th birthday and used part of the horn as a core for his wand. So he had that horn serpent core, which was really cool. Later, actually, she used that same core and presented a wand uh, to Webster for his birthday. So that was really cool. Uh, it is said that it fulfilled the serpent prophecy and warned Isolde of Gormalaeth Gaunt. So Gormalaeth Gaunt, she was a pure blood born in 1576 in Ireland. She died in 1634, also known as William Sire. So if you ever heard of William Sire, this is who this is. Uh, she's uh, she's dark and pale, female woman. Her ancestor was actually Salazar Slytherin. So this is how this starts to come into play here. Her wand was of unknown length with a basilisk core. Uh, so what does that sound like? Going back to wands that we talked about in Chamber of Secrets, whose wand is that? It is true. It is said that she actually had Salazar Slytherin's wand. Um, that was passed down from her ancestors. So that's where that wound up. Uh, and I'll tell you where it winds up in a bit. So she was Irish pure blood dark witch. She was the aunt of Isolt's sire. So she's Isolt's aunt. She helped found the Olivermoney school in a very interesting way. And I'm about to show you how she kind of laid groundwork on that. Not exactly in the way you would expect. Uh, Gormalaeth actually attended the Hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry. She was sorted into the Slytherin house. No surprise there. She was sorted into Slytherin. She is believed. Uh, she believed in strong pure blood supremacy, as she murdered her own sister and brother-in-law uh, for showing sympathy to Muggle neighbors. Gormalaeth uh, died in 1634, actually enacting revenge on Isolt and her family. Uh, Gormalaeth had one sister, Rinoch. Uh, she was born in Ireland, and her niece was his old sire. Uh, like I said, she was the aunt. Uh, Rinoch um, would help her muggle neighbors uh, with cures and healing. She was actually known as a powerful healer. Gormalaeth, uh, one day, so actually started a fire at Rinoch's house uh, to kill her, to murder her, um, because she was healing her neighbors after an incident. Uh, before the spread of the fire, she did save Isolt, who was still a young child at the time, thinking that she was on the right path. After casting Isolt aside, uh, Gormalaeth murdered her husband, who was thought, and it was thought to have used, she used the Avada Kedavra curse on her husband. Gormalaeth kept Isolt in isolation for 12 years. Gormalaeth would make Isolt watch when she would jinx and curse muggles in the area. And Gormalaeth would not let Isolt attend Hogwarts because she didn't want her fraternizing with mudbloods. Gormalaeth often said it was a shame that Salazar couldn't stop them from attending the school, and she eventually taught Isolt the dark arts uh, as she was growing up. After Isolt grew up, she escaped uh, with Gormalaeus wand because she came so uh, against the dark arts that she was learning 
and they had a confrontation almost sort of like that uh, Ben Kenobi and Luke Skywalker thing that happened except for it was the opposite um, of what's right and wrong right uh, eventually though Gormaleth hunted down Azolt and found her in England uh, Azolt escaped the second time and took the Mayflower all the way to the New World uh, this is where Azolt actually met James and they became married and uh, after um, falling in love in the New World and then they established a Livermoney school of witchcraft and wizardry which is founded in the United States in Massachusetts. Around this time is when Azolt saved William from, from a hide behind and he was indebted to her. So not the one that attacked Chadwick and her other son, um, but this was the one before where William was indebted to her. In 1634, Formalea found out that a headmistress uh, was Marigan. She made the connection that Marigan was Azolt because it was the name that her father called his old. So that was the name she was going by uh, actually in Massachusetts at the time to cover up her name. So no one would find out where she went to. Uh, Gormaleth outraged. Uh, she actually was so offended more, not because she ran away, but because his old married a muggle. Gormaleth actually went to Ollivander's. Um, she was given the core of a dragon heartstring. Ironically, I also have that core. But Gormaleth boarded a ship, uh, Bonaventure, and under the name William Sire, the same name of his old father and a victim she murdered. Bonaventure landed in Mount Greylock, Massachusetts, in the winter which Mount Greylock, Massachusetts, is where a Livermoney School of Witchcraft and Wizardry was founded. Gormaleth's plan was to murder Azolt and James Stewart, um, and then take both of their daughters, Martha and Renox Stewart, um, and she was going to teach them the pure-blood ways. Gormaleth uh, spoke a spell that put James and Azolt in a deep sleep um, one night when she actually got there, and it's it's almost it's a little bit almost like that kind of Rapunzel story. It's very interesting, but um, in Postle tongue, the spell was spoke, uh, and when she got near them, uh, when she came up across that town, and James entirely inactive, uh, Gormaleth uh, didn't know Azolt though at the time had two sons, Chadwick and Webster Boot. Chadwick and Webster, this was awesome, and this would be awesome to see on screen. So this would be a really cool prequel if they made it. Uh, Chadwick and Webster, both skilled with wands at the time, because this is years later after Chadwick's 11th birthday and Webster had gotten that horned core uh, wand, um, both skilled. Chadwick was already having dreams, almost like how we've talked about Harry has had dreams of uh, Gormaleth coming over to the United States to attack his family. Um, well, Webster and Chad woke up in the middle of the night, both armed with their wands um, and their serpent horn cores. Gormaleth underestimated Chad, and then what happened was Chadwick and her began to duel one-on-one. Gormaleth, while they were dueling, um, Gormaleth was basically toying with Chadwick the whole time, but she was very impressed uh, and didn't want to kill Chadwick just based on claim and how he 
how he was handling his own wand ability against her. That was a full, a full fledged witch. Um, and she tried to convince him to go with her and she would teach him the ways of the purebloods. Uh, Chadwick wouldn't fold and what happened was he was eventually aided by Webster uh, that came in and both the brothers uh, with the Horned Serpent Corps put their wands together and shot a combined spell of Expelliarmus uh, together at Gormaleath. So Expelliarmus! And the spell woke up Martha and Renoch Stewart who cried for their parents. Their cries woke up Isolt and James breaking through the enchantment. Gormaleath, uh, Chadwick, and Webster were joined by Isolt, um, but the wand that she had, because of the Postle Tongue spell, was made inactive. So not only did that Postle Tongue spell that Gormaleath speak put her, Isolt, and James into a deep sleep, it also made the wand by Salazar Slytherin inactive, which um, Azolt stole uh, from Gormaleth, which Gormaleth originally had the power of that wand because it was handed down over the years. Gormaleth uh, managed to drive back Chadwick and Webster and also drive back Azolt uh, back to where, uh, kind of like the back of the back of the house where they were at because this was kind of like a little cottage however when she managed to drive them back she went to go grab her nieces that were there because she was going to take them back with them like i was saying uh gormaleth broke the door down and found james guarding them gormaleth was about to murder james keep in mind james is a muggle and azolt said the name of her father uh, of her father, which called upon William, um, the Pugwudgie, uh, she had befriended years earlier. Um, and that was like the key code was her father's name that she always remembered to get in touch with William that had dedicated his life to her. And um, keep in mind, they are magical creatures, so they can hear very long distances. Uh, and what happened was William showed up William shot the poisonous arrow and it collided with Gormaleth's magic. And what happened was it wound up reducing her wand with the dragon heartstring core to dust. Uh, nothing but of some of the core remained of that wand. Uh, died and was unmourned by her family at all. Um, her grandniece, Renok Stewart, was the only one that inherited the ability of Apostle Tongue. Renok never had children, and it was rumored because she was afraid she would pass on the ability in the hope that if she died, children in the Gaunt family line would die with her. In this, uh, she was mistaken because the Gaunt family survived in England, and eventually ending with the Marvolo uh, line that continued. Uh, the children were Morton and Mariscope Marvolo, and then the grandson was Tom Marvolo Riddle, and then they had the great-granddaughter Dolphini, but um, Tom Marvolo Riddle was the grandson of the line in England of Renoc. Uh, um, Gormaleth, uh, she is described as being very pale, 
dark colored hair uh, eyes um, and actually had red eyes just like uh, Lord Voldemort did um, and she's a distant air appearance um, deeply altered by the dark arts is what it says um, she was a master of the dark arts a master of dueling tracking and possible tongue Azolt was unable to speak possible tongue or reactivate the wand uh, that Gormaleth put the spell on in parcel tongue to make Salazar Slytherin's wand active again. James actually buried it underground. Um, and from there, Azolt did not wish to keep the wand. They buried it underground and um, uh, because they didn't wanna, uh, want their kids to be reminded of an unhappy childhood and the wand was useless. Within a year, um, the wand actually wound up dissolving and uh, the basculus core grew a snakewood tree from where their wand was buried. Any attempts to kill it or prune it was unsuccessful and it was discovered that the tree had powerful medicine properties. A livermoni Olivermoni's reputation grew over the years, and Azolt and James became headmaster and headmistress. Olivermoni uh, was a granite house originally when all this was occurring um, that eventually expanded and is now a castle in, uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, James actually made the robes himself for the first Olivermoni robes. And the Olivermoni robes are blue and cranberry. Um, the reason why, Azolt chose the color um, color and told James to make those because uh, it was she wanted to be part of the Ravenclaw house at Hogwarts. Um, the robes are actually fastened with a golden knob, which actually represents it, the golden knob is also on the floor of the Olivermoni school. And it's in ruins of the original, it's in memory of the ruins of the original Olivermoni cottage that eventually was torn down and became a castle. Isolt and James both lived to be a hundred. Uh, they actually died knowing that Olivermoni had become famous in North America and was attracting students from all over. Isolt uh, became a very well-known founder after death as the founder of one of the most democratic schools. However, because of its democracy and uh, because it actually lets in um, mudbloods as well as muggles, it's known as one of the least elite wizard wizarding schools um, and also because it's relatively new. Um, a marble statue uh, was made of Isolt and is in front of the doors of a Livermoni. This is also where William would put those flowers. Uh, of her family, which is why they think he's still alive. Uh, and uh, the Livermoni Castle still remains there today. Isolt was known for her wand lore, dark arts, potions, charms, care for magical creatures, apparition, divination, and teaching skills. It is said that Isolt and James are also now buried under the snake tree that grew from Salazar Slytherin's wand. Houses of Olivermoni are the Horned Serpent, Pukwudgie, the Wampus, 
and the Thunderbird. So the Horned Serpent we spoke of, which is where they got the horn and then put them in Chadwick, uh, Chadwick and Webster's core of their wands. The Pukwudgie, of course, we know is a different type of goblin. It's that gray short uh, goblin that's only found in North America and the United States. And the Wampus is actually a Wampus cat that we mentioned before. So it's similar um, to the Nevils, right? Which is like Crookshanks. And then you got the Thunderbird, which is like a lightning bird. Um, so these are the four houses of the Houses of Alivermony, which is the Alivermony School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, the Go uh, Gordian Knot on the floor of the house uh, depicts each of the houses. You can actually even do actually a, an Alivermony house test online. A lot of people don't know about that. Uh, they think they can just do Hogwarts uh, house test where it chooses your house. Well, Hogwarts is the most famous, um, but of course you can actually do a Livermoney too if you're if you want to get really <laughs> really in depth to it. If you really like Harry Potter stuff, um, Demi guys, remember we were talking about the hide behind. Uh, the Demi guys can become invisible, precognitive sight, peaceful temperaments, uh, brown and eye color that actually turn blue when they predict the future. Uh, they have beige and silver fur, and they're native to the Far East. They are a cross between a sloth and an ape. There's many witchers and wizards who actually capture and train them. Demiguy's pelts uh, were highly sought after uh, to make invisibility cloaks as well. Um, they came to America in 1620, Demiguy's did, with Phineas Fletcher who smuggled them to America and then bred them with a ghoul to produce a hide-behind. So now you know how the hide-behind came about. So Newt's commander had a demiguise called Dougal. Phineas Fletcher um, was a trader in banned artifacts and creatures. He is known for trafficking demiguise along, um, along with him onto a ship in North America with the arm of manufacturing invisibility cloaks. The demiguys escaped uh, to breed with a stowaway ghoul, which we talked about stowaway ghouls with the Weasleys, um, and it just resulted in the creation of a hide behind as well. So that's another way that can happen. Um, he is most known in history for cruel treatment of creatures. Uh, Phineas Fletcher is also an ancestor of Modungus Fletcher, which like I said, we've talked about him a good bit. So, Ministry of Magic Beast classifications. Um, this will kind of sum up. This will sum up our episode here. Like I said, guys, this is one of those interesting fact episodes that actually wound up being the length of an actual episode for you. So, kind of like a cool midway Wednesday, Wild Wednesday special features for you guys. Uh, the Ministry of Magic classifications. So 5X, uh, that's for known wizard killers, impossible to train or domesticate. So those you really need to stay away from. Uh, 4X uh, is known as dangerous and requires special knowledge. Uh, a skilled wizard may be able to handle. So still be careful at 4X. Uh, 3X, uh, a competent wizard should be able to cope. Um, 2x is harmless and can be domesticated so you can be kept as a pet 
and 1x is known as being boring <laughs> so guys um that's uh that is the interesting fact episode with chase guys and um yeah guys once again thanks so much for all you do for us follow us on instagram if you uh if you're on there so you can follow me at rbrow129 my personal one rbrow129 follow us at official ridiculous patronus uh you can follow josh on instagram as well uh you got our facebook page at chase and josh factor fantasy um you do have uh, us on youtube so subscribe and like there write us a review on apple Podcasts. that always means so much to us uh subscribe on spotify all the platforms wherever you get your podcast uh, really means a lot to us there but um so really cool stuff today guys um i just thought you know it's it's so wild like the harry potter facts because there's so much we can get into and that's why we have this episode it's kind of like that special features episode is there's so much uh you can learn there's no way we can fit it all into one major episode on sunday so that's why we have this extra extra episode here for you um and i know sometimes guys like it can kind of get into like a dissection and that kind of stuff on sunday but that's just the way harry potter is like there's just so much material and we want to give you the content you deserve uh once again guys it just really means everything to us uh this is chase uh, another ridiculous production uh this is chase from chase and josh factor fantasy this is your interesting bonus facts with chase and i am signing off (laughs) 